This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to hear it. I like to hear it. Uh, hey, I'm Joel Libramento. I'm a, a part of the dream team here at the River Church. I'm a pastor here. Uh, I, I get to preach for you guys today. One, uh, because Mike's been preaching for like seven years nonstop every day. And so we wanted to give him a break. Uh, and also, uh, I actually thought he was going to be out of town. Him and Katie were going to be out of town. So I always say when he's gone, when the senior pastor's away, the church will play. And uh, he's here, so I feel like, should I should I tone it back? Should I tone it back? No? No, okay, all right. So here's what I want you to do. Everybody give your neighbor a high five, get a little up high. Yeah, hit them then with a down low, and if you're feeling brave, a too slow. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, like I said, I'm on the dream team here at the river, and um, I'm, a, I'm a pastor, but I always kind of feel weird about saying it, mainly because... Inside of this context, it makes sense. Like, we understand what a pastor is. It's a biblical term. But when you get outside these four walls, people treat you weird. Like, for real. They, like, it's almost like you're not a human anymore. Like, you can't feel or have any emotion. In fact, you've got to hover above the ground when you walk. Uh, and so a lot of times I, I kind of feel for, you know, senior pastors. I've been able to know a lot of senior pastors, and they live kind of an isolated life. Mike's not paying me to say this, by the way, but what I'm just saying is, you know, think about it. They always hear all the rough stuff. They always hear the bad news. I remember months ago, I was talking to Mike. I said, how was your week? He's like, I've just gotten bad news all week, you know, and naturally, we go to our pastor because we want him to pray for us, um, but sometimes it's good to just go to your pastors and just have a normal conversation. So what I'm challenging you to do is since they're here today, and again, he's not paying me to say this. Uh, say something encouraging to him. Strike, strike up a conversation. Ask him what his favorite color is or just something weird like that. All right. Uh, but I think uh, or even text them. Text Mike if you got his number and Katie. And I'm just thankful to have them as our pastors and in our lives. So, uh, yeah, I just want to say that. Um, so we are in the middle of a series called it's our summer series called Summer at the River. Everybody say what, what? Yeah. And so I get to go on, the whole series is about how to make this the best summer ever. Okay. And today, if you're taking notes, the title of the sermon is going to be called Give Your Summer Away. All right. And I've got a scripture here I want to read. If you've got your Bibles, uh, open it up and it's also going to be on the screen. It's going to be, we're going OT. All right. First Kings 3, 16 through 28. All right. Here we go. It was, it's entitled Solomon's Wisdom. Then two women who were prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One woman said, please, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I had a baby while she was in the house. On the third day after I gave birth, she also had a baby, and we were alone. No one else was with us in the house. Just the two of us were there. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. She got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your servant was asleep. She laid him at her breast and she put her dead son in my arms. When I got up in the morning to nurse my son, I discovered he was dead. That morning when I looked closely at him, I realized that he was not the son I gave birth to. No, the other woman said, my son is the living one. Your son is the dead one. 
And the first woman said, no, your son is the dead one. My son is the living one. So they argued before the king. Mm, this sounds like a serious argument. The king replied, this woman says, this is my son who is alive and your son is dead. But that woman says, no, your son is dead and my son is alive. And the king continued, bring me a sword. So they brought the sword to the king. And Solomon said, divide the living boy into two and give half of one, uh, half to one and half to the other. And the woman whose son was alive spoke to the king because she felt great compassion for her son. My Lord, give her the living baby, she said, but please don't have him killed. But the other one said, he will not be mine or yours. Cut him in two. And the king responded, give the living baby to the first woman and don't kill him. She is his mother. And all of Israel heard about the judgment the king had given. And they stood in awe of the king because they saw that God's wisdom was in him to carry out justice. Let's pray this morning. God, we're just so thankful for your grace and mercy. God, I thank you for the word. I thank you that, God, we can come into a place like this and feel your presence. God, that we can worship you with music and we can experience your grace and your love. God, I thank you for the family that's here, God, just the, the, the community that we have to help one another. And God, I pray today that we learn how to be selfless before our God. And I just pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. All right, I'm going to ask you guys to do something incredibly brave this morning. I want you to raise your hand if you're selfish. Mm, let me see. Okay, I'm not looking for the people who have their hands raised. I'm actually looking for the ones who are lying and not don't have their hands raised. Okay, yeah, we're all selfish. Typically, the selfish people don't realize they're selfish, right? And that makes sense, you know. Uh, and it's it's not hard. If you're having trouble realizing if you're selfish or not, uh, you should just ask a loved one, maybe a friend, somebody like that, uh, or your spouse. I did something I have never done before in my life, and I, I my wife is actually here from Mesquite. They just came in, and so this is going to be interesting. Uh, y'all, under your breath, just pray for my marriage. Um, uh, so I did something I've never done before, and I sent a message to my wife on the cell phone, and it said this, am I selfish? Now, if you're going to text your spouse or someone this question, am I selfish? You better be emotionally prepared to re receive some feedback. Okay? All right? I was kind of hoping when I texted her that she wouldn't text back, <laughs> but she did. <clears throat> and she gave me a list, a series of things. And I'm I'm just being completely transparent with y'all. I'm about to read y'all some some dirt. Oh Lord. <laughs> All right. When you just, and Katie, you might have to help me with it. When you just leave all your clothes in the dryer because you've un, you're trying to unwrinkle them every morning before work and no one else can do the laundry. I don't know if you guys do this, but I run wrinkle. I don't iron. I'm terrible at that. I just throw my stuff in the, in the dryer and dry it. And apparently I leave it in there too long and no one else can do laundry. I'm sorry. Uh, when you, uh, when you leave three frosted mini wheats in a box of cereal and put it back. I'm going to eat those. I'm coming back for them. I'm coming back for them. Wow. <clears throat> when you turn on the bathroom light after I'm already in bed and leave it on because it's not on your side and it doesn't laser beam your eyes. Drama. Laser beam your eyes. Wow. Okay. 
How am I supposed to see? When I come in the bedroom, how am I supposed to see? Flashlight. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Sorry, that was selfish. I <clears throat> can't be selfish. The last one. When you lay down something in front of the TV sensor. <laughs> oh, that happens to me a lot. And I'd be putting something right in front of the TV sensor and she can't. And then she got to get all the way up and move it. Ooh, that's bad. And then she ended it with this, which is actually really nice. And this is encouraging for me. And I understand it because she's my wife. She said, that's really all. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. I texted her, thank you. And then she texted me back with just laughing emojis. <clears throat> So that's real, you know. We're all selfish to some degree, all right. We all we all have some sort of uh, of selfishness, and uh, honestly, it's in our nature. We're born with a selfish nature, like it, it, a nature that says everything is about me and everything I do is about me. And if you haven't felt it or ever seen this before played out, uh, let me tell you this: I have a I have a two year old. Well, he's about to be three year old son. Uh, his name's Emmanuel. And, uh, oh, he's so cute. He's actually, eating, no, he's not eating frosted mini wheats. He's actually eating blueberries. Um, but this is my son, Emmanuel. We call him Manny, Manny Fresh, to quote DJ Khaled. He's a young icon. And, uh, he is like my dude, for real. But he has a very sinful nature, just like us all when we're born. And he just started picking up this thing where now, like, if I walk through the living room and I pick up a dinosaur off the floor, he goes, no, that's mine. And I'm like, okay, geez. And so I go pick up another, no, that's mine. I'm like, okay, no, that's mine. And I'm like, the third one is kind of rising up in you, kind of that, I'm going to call it righteous anger, uh, where you're like, well, son, I'm the one that works the job. I'm the one that paid for that dinosaur. That's mine. Can I get an amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's how I know we have a nature, a sinful nature. I didn't teach that. Hey, you can ask my wife. I'm not going through the house. Grab that's mine. That's mine. And Frosted Mini Wheat, that's mine. I'm not teaching him that. He didn't learn that from me. That is because inside of us is this nature that says this life is all about me. It's all about me. And everything that I'm doing uh, is, about, is about me. And since we're on the topic of like marriage and my wife and everything, I remember a moment in our marriage where, man, she said something to me that just, boom, hit me right here. We were just like got married and I was drilling her about spending money. I was like always on her about, is this necessary? Is this necessary? Ooh, that's, that, you can already tell this is going to a bad place. And I was like really on her, putting pressure on her about it. And, uh, and let me also preface this by saying I grew up skateboarding. Uh, and so I, I still kind of, you know, shred the concrete every now, now and then. Hashtag haven't grown up. And so I was drilling her about spending money. And, uh, and one time she, she looked at me and she said, you're okay with spending money if it's something you want. Like that skateboard. <laughs> I felt, I did not feel like a grown, a grown man in that moment, you know? And, and honestly, she said that to me. And I'm glad that she said that to me because it woke me up. It woke me up because I realized, wow, I am so incredibly selfish. Even when it comes to money, I'm putting pressure on her, but I'm over here on Amazon just ting, ting, ting. And, and what I'm saying is like, I'm incredibly selfish. And there's going to be moments, if you haven't had those moments, I pray you have those moments. I pray people are completely honest with you about how selfish you are. Why? Because it challenges your very nature. So in the same breath, I'm saying we're born with a sinful nature that is all about us. It's self-seeking. It's all about what we want. In the same very breath, you were created in the image of God. 
which means you are also wired to give. I know this sounds crazy. It's a dichotomy. It's because I had this sinful nature in me, but I was also made in the image of God that I am, I am built and created to actually be selfless, to give. And it's so funny to me, like, uh, I think about this culturally, uh, speaking. So, you know, we, we're in a phase in our, in our world. It doesn't take long for you to see this. People are always like me, self-help, take care of yourself, treat yourself. Like everything is about me. You know, like people are paying lots of money to focus on he- right here and focus on themselves. And, and so it's been like this for some while. And it's just funny because now I'm seeing all these articles come out where they're talking like scientific articles, not, not religious, not Christian articles, articles coming out where science is proving that people are more satisfied and more happy when they're selfless, when they give. It's just funny to me. And here's why. Let me read an article to you guys. I'm going to try, you know, not to just be up here reading all day. It's like reading time with Pastor Joel. All right. Here's the article. It says, for example, research by social psychologist Liz Dunn and her colleagues appearing in the journal Science shows that people's sense of happiness is greater when they spend relatively more on others than on themselves. In one survey of over 600 U.S. citizens, Dunn and colleagues found that spending money on others predicted greater happiness, whereas spending money on oneself did not. And this pattern was found across all income levels. In other words, even those with little money reported greater happiness when their proportion of spending on others relative to self was greater. In a more controlled experiment, Dunn and colleagues gave students at the University of British Columbia an envelope containing money and told them that either, one, they had to spend the money on themselves before 5 p.m., or two, they had to spend the money on someone else before 5 p.m. Those who gifted for others were happier than those who gifted for themselves. In some cases, there were $5 in the envelope, and in other cases, there were $20, but the amount didn't matter. The results were the same. Spending on others made people happier than spending on oneself. Ironically, when asked to predict which outcome would make one happier, spending on oneself or spending on others, another group of students at the same university thought spending on themselves would make them happier than spending on others. In short, people's selfish assumptions were proven wrong when they actually had the opportunity to give to others than to oneself. This was a scientific article that came out about it. And it's just funny to me. It's like, man, it's, it's taken this long for culture to catch up to the scriptures. It's taken this long for culture to catch up to what Jesus said. All right, look at the scripture in Acts 20, 35. In every way I've shown you that by laboring like this, it is necessary to help the weak and to keep in mind the words of the Lord Jesus, for he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I read that whole article when Jesus said it's more blessed than give than to receive. He said it way better than I. I'm just saying, like, our culture is trying, is just now understanding that giving, being selfless, we're actually wired that way because we were created in the image of a giving God. A God that loves you. A God that wants to give to you, wants to bless you. A God that gave his life for you. You see where I'm going? You were created in that image. So not only are you wired with a sin nature that is battling, uh, that nature that is to give, that's just, that's just how we're created. And so a lot of us feel that. I think we, we feel that on a daily basis in our relationship with God, that struggle, that battle. All right, so I've said all this. 
You're wired to give. You also have a battling sin nature. And I'm, I'm asking you to give your summer away. How do you stop being selfish? All right, so I'm going to tell another embarrassing story. I feel like we just, this is like a roast. Uh, so here's another story. So this is going to sound really bougie, but I took my wife and son to Iceland not too long ago. So we actually went to Iceland. I actually had been saved before you think, whoa, making money. Before you think that, I actually saved all the money from, I do photography and videography. So a majority of the trip was paid for by this money I was saving. Just had to say that. Um <laughs> So there's a reason this is up here. Uh, And so anyway, so we get to Iceland. We have this incredible trip. I mean, it was like phenomenal, like one of the best trips I've ever been on in my life. And uh, and so anyway, it's the last day. And Katie found this really cute bakery in the downtown, like the capital city of Reykjavik. And I've never been to London, but everyone's like, it's just like London. And uh, and it's like this beautiful little port city. And uh, it was awesome. And we were up super early because we were getting breakfast at this bakery. She found this bakery where they make like these Icelandic cinnamon rolls that are massive. And so we were really excited about it. We go to the bakery. Or no, on our way to the bakery, I rented I rented while we were there a Jeep Wrangler. Okay. This black Jeep Wrangler, 4x4, manual stick shift. I can drive that. Um, you'll, you'll see, not very good. But uh, and so I'm driving it, right? We're heading to the bakery and I've got a parallel park in downtown Reykjavik on this hill. All right. I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. Like we just had a great trip. I'm like, I got this. So I pull in, right? Pull into the spot and I pull in right behind my dream car, Land Rover Defender 90, this bad boy right here. Oh man, this is like my dream car. And this car right here, I can tell you right now has been completely redone. All right, that, everything's custom on this on this car right here. This is like my dream car. I was freaking out, right? So I pull in, right, right behind it, and then I pull in a little close to the bumper. I'm on a hill. I'm a little close to the bumper. If you've ever driven a stick shift, you know that whenever you you're the uh, <laughs> I'm struggling here. Uh, when you drive a stick shift, you know when the clutch engages, there's a little bit of period of time where that car, if you're on a hill, would tend to roll. So I'm a, I'm I'm tight, so I'm about to hit it in reverse. And I, I put it in the I'm trying to get in and clutch and that thing moves forward. And I'm like, oh snap, like I'm really close to the bumper. I'm like, I got this though, I got this. And it pulls forward again. I'm literally this close from hitting this car. I'm gonna tell you, this car is so expensive that I would be shivering in an Icelandic prison if I crashed into this car. And and I'm talking, I'm this close to that bumper. I pulled the emergency brake, and I put my head in my hands, and literally we had to get to the airport in like an hour. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, oh, crap. And she, my wife, she's like, I never see you put your head in your hands. She starts crying. So she's crying. She's like, me and Manny got to get out of the car. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, Okay, just do whatever you got to do. <clears throat> so they get out, right? And they actually go into an alley. And Katie's like, I can't watch. I can't watch. So she takes Manny, Manny Fresh into this little alley. And I'm just standing out in front of, the, of that rover right there on the sidewalk. And I'm looking around. It's 8 a.m. There's no one in the street except for this cute Icelandic couple eating their breakfast on a bench across the street, watching this whole thing unfold. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking around. I'm like, who owns this? Because now I've got to go admit to them that I'm a terrible driver and ask them to move their Land Rover. Like, this is so humiliating. So I get in the car, shut the door, and I'm just like, okay, what are we going to do? So I've got the emergency brake pulled, and this idea comes to me. I am going to 
gas it in reverse and just smoke out the emergency brake. Like, that's going to keep me from going forward. I'm just going to hit it in reverse. So that's what I do. I oh, mean, I lay on that gas. And I'm telling you, the, the vehicle's like, yeah. I mean, that little couple across the street, just, I'm waking the neighborhood up. I'm just like, yeah. I start smelling the smoke from the emergency brake. I'm seeing the smoke from the emergency brake. And it finally gives way and it starts making its way back up the hill. Uh, you know, luckily the emergency brake was still working. I get out of the car, I go in the alley. Katie's literally like this with Manny. And she's got these big alligator tears in her eyes. And I go, let's go. We're getting out of here. <laughs> and so we get in the Jeep. That's the Jeep right behind it. I don't know if you can see it. That's the black Jeep after all this happened. Because I had to get out and get a picture of my dream car. And we got out and pulled away. <clears throat> and so I was like, I was preparing the sermon. And I felt like, you know, I was thinking about how do you stop being selfish? If you're heading in a direction, how do you stop being selfish? And it looks like sometimes you got to pull the emergency brake. Sometimes you got to pull the emergency brake and you got to change directions. I don't know if you've ever walked a road that's very selfish, but I'm going to tell you, if you don't hit the emergency brake and you don't change the direction, all right, you're going to crash into your dream car. <laughs> but you're going to crash. And there will be smoke because there's friction. When you decide that you're going to not walk a life that's about you anymore, trust me, there will be smoke because there's friction. But God is asking us, listen, if you walk this road of selfishness and sin, you're going to end up in a really bad place. If you don't pull that e-brake and change directions, I'm telling you, you're going to end up in a place. But God is calling us back to him, calling us back to him. And some of us, if we want this to be the best summer ever, and we want to live selfless this summer, some of us are going to have to pull that e-brake and change directions. Because all of our sin is rooted in selfishness. All of our sin, sin is rooted in selfishness. You can trace it back. You can trace it back. And it's so destructive. And so what I've got for you today is I've got three things. Okay, three things. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Three things that you can do to be selfless this summer, to give your summer away. All right, you guys ready for this? All right, you sleeping? Okay. Good, good, good. Rest in the presence of God. Yes. <laughs> All right. The first one is this. Selfless. How do we have the, the best? How do we give our summer away? Be selfless by being bold in witness. Bold in witness. All right. There is salvation in no one else. And God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Check out this scripture right here. Acts 4, 12 through 13. This one is fire. All right. Here we go. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. The reason I love this passage is because I'm just an ordinary guy. <laughs> so when I say, when they say they were amazed, because they were like, this dude, these guys are just ordinary dudes. And they're not even trained in the scriptures. But they were amazed by them. Man, let this, let this just be like, I'm not trying to drop fire on you guys or anything, but if you're ever someone who has thought this in your mind, you know what, I'm going to leave being bold and witness and loving people and sharing the love of God for the pastors and evangelists. This right here says no excuses. No excuses. 
doesn't matter who you are. You could be the most ordinary dude in here. You could have no training. Some people are like, I'll start my ministry and loving people for Jesus when I go to Bible college. Nah, man, these guys, they, they got no training in the scriptures. These were ordinary dudes. We got no excuses. We got no excuses. And believe it or not, man, one of the best ways you can be bold in your faith and share the love of Jesus that you've experienced in your own life is just to tell your story. It's just to love people. It's just to care for them. Tell them about the love of Jesus. It's easier than we think. It's easier than we think. So how do we grow in boldness? I got a couple things. How do we grow in boldness? If we're going to be bold in our in witness, how do we do it? The first one is spend more time with Jesus. Spend more time with Jesus. Acts 4.13. They were amazed by the disciples' boldness, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. That's what I want people to say about me when I die. Like, I want, I want someone at my funeral to get up and go, you know, he's somebody who, he was an ordinary guy who loved people and cared for people. And it was obvious he had spent time with Jesus. He had been with Jesus. So how do you spend time with Jesus? I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have the relationship I have with my wife if we never talked. That'd be really hard to do. It's hard to have an intimate relationship with anybody if you don't actually talk to them, right? So the first way that you can be close to Jesus is pray. People get really weird about prayer. They're like, thou hast Father in heaven, thou hallowed be thy name. You know, like they get really weird about prayer. Prayer is a conversation with God. It's communication with Him. And a lot of times we look at it as like, I got this list, I'm going to ask you for stuff. The best way to pray is for you to go to God and you talk to him, you pray, and then you get quiet and you listen. It's communication. It's a two-way street. Sometimes God will speak to you back. Like if you're asking him something or you're talking to him, sometimes he'll speak to your heart and your mind. You, Some people have heard God audibly. Sometimes God doesn't answer right then. He'll speak to a person. And you're like, oh, okay, God, okay. I see you. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, but the problem is we don't listen. We're selfish. We don't listen. We're not looking for God to talk to us. We're not looking for the answers to our questions when we pray. But you want to be close to Jesus. You want someone to look at your life and go, that person's been with Jesus. You have to talk to him. And you don't have to be eloquent. You can be an ordinary guy with no training in the scriptures to have a conversation with a living God who then will respond. Test him and see. Test him and see. The second thing is read. And I wrote this down because I thought it was cool. Quote me on it. You can't talk like Jesus if you don't know what he said. You can't do what Jesus did if you don't know what he did. That's why we have to read the scriptures. Like, it's easy for us to be like, I want to be like Jesus. I want to talk like Jesus. Boy, if you haven't read and you don't know what he said, how are you going to talk like him? If you want to walk like Jesus and be like Jesus, Christian, the term actually means little Christ, meaning like uh, an image of Christ, right? If you want to be like Jesus, you want to walk like him and talk like him, how do you know unless you read about it? So you got to read. If you want to spend time with Jesus, if you want to be like Jesus, you have to read. The second thing of how you can grow in boldness is you have to ask God to make you bold. Check out the scripture. This is Paul. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Even Paul was asking God, give us boldness in preaching your word. So what does that look like for you? I'm going to recommend you don't go out on 377 on Denton Highway out here with a bullhorn 
and you start screaming at people, repent. I'm going to, when I say be bold in your witness, I don't suggest that. All right. That may have worked a while back. All right. This time you're just going to get cussed at. People are going to give you the bird. They're going to be really upset with you. All right. You're probably going to turn away more people than you're actually going to help. All right. I look at my life. I remember when I was in college and I was like, you know, on fire, I'm ready to go. And me and my friends, we actually, we were in Jackson, Mississippi, and there were some strip clubs downtown. And we would actually walk on the street and yell at the dudes coming in and going into the club, hey, can I give you something? And then they'd come across the parking lot and they'd be like, what's up, man? I'd be in my hoodie. I'd be like, hey, we're praying for people out here. What can I pray for you about? I'm telling you, it was effective. It was really effective. It was effective. Because, man, I got stories. I got stories. I got Sunday school teachers down there. There was one dude, the Sunday school teacher that I met down there, he he said, what are you doing down there? So I'm praying for people. And he just broke down. He said, I'm teaching Sunday school. And you see where I'm at? And he's like, I don't even know if I'm saved. And that day I had had a hard day. I had to really push through. And we'll get to that in a minute. I had to really push through how I was feeling. And I'm like, okay. He's like, can we go to this parking lot over here and you lead me to Christ? I was like, yeah. And so like, I got to lead him to Christ. I met like real life bounty hunters down there. I got death threats. I had all kinds of crazy stuff happening. So like when I look back at my life, I look at that period and I go, yeah, that was, that was bold. But boldness looks different for me now. You don't catch me. I got a wife and kid. I got to be careful. I, you don't see me down there. If God called me to it, I would do it. But right now, boldness looks different for me. I feel called to be bold in the workplace. Like, I feel called to love people and share people, share with people about my life and about faith and God in the workplace. I feel like I'm called here to do what I'm doing this morning, but more so of just building relationships and loving people in the community. You may not realize this, but we're surrounded by a ton of people who typically are, are, are like us who are hurting. They're looking for refuge. They're looking for a God to come and help them. They're looking for faith. They're looking for purpose. And when they come into these doors, I found that one of the things that I'm called to do is to be bold in my faith in this environment, in this place, in this community. I don't know what boldness looks like for you, okay? Maybe it's being bold in your family. Maybe it's being bold in your community. If you need some structure, come be bold with me and my friends here at the river. Like we have the dream team that serves every Sunday. This is, this is like a little shameless plug, but for, for real, we find so much purpose and value in life when we serve, when we give ourselves away. So come join us here. So how are you bold? You got to spend, spend more time with Jesus. Pray, read, and ask God to make you bold. All right. The second thing, way that you can make this the best summer ever by giving yourself away is being faithful in service. I like this quote. Um, this was a pastor, Richard Watley. A person is called selfish, not for pursuing his or her own good, but for neglecting his or her neighbors. They're not selfish for pursuing his or her, her own good, but for neglecting his or her neighbors. What would others say that you're always doing? Someone looked at your life, what would they say? What are they always, this person is always doing this. What are you actually always doing? There's this passage, Tyler, I'm actually jumping to Acts 9.36. Uh, there's this passage uh, that I read this week, and it's funny, and I'll tell you why, but also, man, it's epic. All right, it's Acts 9.36, and it says this, In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, in Greek, her name is Dorcas. 
Sorry, that was. <laughs> let me let me tell you why that's funny. I I lead a community group, right? And I don't think the Kellers are here this morning, but uh, Tabitha and Michael Keller, they're dear friends of mine, and I wish she was here because from here on out, I'm calling her Dorcas. <clears throat> All right, you hear that, Tabitha? If you hear it on the on the podcast. All right, so Dorcas, she was always doing good and helping the poor. We probably read in scripture. We read over that. Do you realize how big this is? The Bible has been around for thousands and thousands of years. There are so many people in the scripture that their name is never mentioned. Their their deeds are never mentioned. There are names that have been left out of the Bible. But for whatever reason, Tabitha made it in the scriptures. And how did she make it in the scriptures? She was always doing good works and acts of charity. That's incredible. She is probably one of, I mean, we look over it, but again, Thousands and thousands of years later, she's probably one of the most famous people in the world. We're over here looking at these celebrities. This girl made it big. Her name is known for generations. Why? Because of her good, her faithful service, her good acts. Matthew 23, 11 says this, The greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest among you will be your servant. Uh, one of the guys that mentored me, he was a pastor, and... uh and I always thought that these pastors, celebrity pastors, they get up and speak and they're up on a pedestal and all this kind of stuff. And people tend to glorify these, these preachers and pastors and stuff like that. And he said, people have the wrong idea about this. He said, these guys are the people that are working all week to serve a group of people. They're actually a servant. They're the lowest of the low. And what Scripture's saying is the greatest among you will be your servant. I think when Martin Luther King Jr. said, to be great is to serve. He was quoting this, the scripture. The servant is he who is the greatest. It's not to be served. It's the servant. This is, I know it's like simple, but it's not normal. It's not normal. Like in our culture, if you think about it, okay, the greatest person is the one who's out there doing parking. The greatest person in the room is the guy running the screens right now, Tyler. The greatest people in the room are the people who show up early on Sunday and are setting this whole place up so that we can experience God in this place. You see what I'm saying? It is the servant. It is the servant who is the greatest. So how are you serving? Are you serving your community? Are you serving your family? For me and my wife, we moved here from Atlanta to be a part of the river because we felt like this was something we wanted to do. I'm a millennial. And I serve here. And you know what's crazy about that is that I have found incredible purpose and life in this place. And you can ask my wife, myself, even my son. We'll go home on Sundays and we will be beat tired. I'm talking, we are wore out. I'd be falling asleep at Cotton Patch up there eating like, man, I'm tired. <clears throat> but man, my soul is on fire. Like I'm excited about meeting with God. I'm excited about talking to you, hearing about your life. I'm excited about this experience. And, and that came from committing and being faithful in service and serving. And honestly, if I'm completely transparent with you, the church saved my life. God, through the church, saved my life. This church saves my life. This church has saved my marriage. Being in this community, I'm telling you, it can change your life, man. God can change your life through these people and through this place. That, and so when I come here on a Sunday morning, I wake up, I'm getting geared up, I'm like, let's go, and I'm coming up here. It's not because I think that I'm going to be closer to God or God's going to be pleased with me because I did these things. I don't, I'm not earning my way to Him. 
I do everything I do here at the river because I'm grateful. I'm grateful. The scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. He died for you. Even when you were all messed up and living crazy, he loves you. And so it's not because I feel like God's going to be happy. Good boy. All right, do this now. Do this now. I'll be happy with you. No, no, no. Man, he did it. He died for me. He gave his life for me. And so I'm, I'm just doing this out of gratitude. That ought to be, I think, our heart when we serve. That should be our heart when we serve. And I mentioned earlier, uh, practice pushing through. And Mike, you're going to appreciate this. Practice pushing through. I think you even mentioned it today in our t- Dream Team huddle. Pushing through is important. How you feel, man. One of my mentors, his name is Keith McGee. He's actually preached here at the river before. He told me one time, he said, feelings can be liars. Can be liars. And if you live by your feelings all the time, man, you're going to be, you're going to miss out on some things that God has for you. Now, when I come into the river and I show up on a Sunday, you, you see me. I'm like, what's up? I'm pumped up. I'm chipper. I'm excited to be here. I haven't always been that way. I've had to practice pushing through how I feel. Sometimes when you wake up in the morning, man, you're tired. You're tired, man. Tired. Sometimes you show up and you're like, man, I'm exhausted, you know? But sometimes you can miss the beautiful things happening around you if you don't push through how you feel. Push through how you feel. Man, that's, just write that down. That doesn't just apply in your spiritual life. Man, it applies in your workplace. It applies in every aspect of your life. All right. Sometimes you don't feel like I come home from work. I'm tired. I don't feel like playing with Manny. I don't feel like talking to Katie and giving her a kiss on the cheek. You know what? I'm going to go in there. I'm going to love her. I'm going to play with my son. And you know what happens? Man, God heals me through that. Because that was the wrong attitude to show up at my house with. And God uses me pushing through to heal me. Practice pushing through how you feel. And the last thing of the three is be selfless by being extravagant in generosity. Extravagant in generosity. And this just kind of hit me. (laughs) You know, when I think of people who are extravagant in generosity, have you guys ever moved from one house to another? You guys ever done that before? When I think of extravagant and generosity, I think about the people that came and helped me move. Amen? Nobody wants to do that. That's man, that's some extravagant generosity. Man, they're picking up your dirty old stuff, putting it in a truck, and put it in your new house. Man, what? That's extravagant and generosity. A lot of you guys are going to go out to eat after this. I've talked to servers before. They think that Sunday afternoons is the worst time for tipping. People leave church, Christians, they go and they tip terrible. Man, be extravagant in generosity, man. Love somebody today. Man, these people are working hard. Bless them with some money. Spend time with people. Time is our most valued commodity. You may not always feel like it, but when you spend time with people, man, that's extravagant generosity. Honor the Lord. This is Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Man, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna keep it 100. I had no clue what this was talking about at first, mainly because the barns, the barns threw me off, and I had known nothing about barns. I actually, I literally had to ask two dudes about barns. I was like, I've heard the scripture, I've read it, I know it's about tithing, but I did, I still don't get the barn concept. Man, check this out. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest, then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. And the concept here is that the barns are full of stuff that you worked hard for. 
that you work hard for. And God's saying that that which you work hard for, you give me the first fruits and guess what? I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry, I'm going to take care of the rest. You're going to have what you need. All right, you may not have the Escalade you want, but you're going to have what you need. And your barns are going to be full. And uh, man, that's been that's been me and my wife's story, man. We've we've never gone without, and we've been blessed. And I really think it's because we we tithe. We feel like ten percent uh, of what we make, the first fruits, we give to the church. It's a commandment in the scripture, so we're about that. Uh, I love tithing to a church that actually tithes ten percent. So that what we take in as a church, we actually give ten percent away to the community. I love that, man. That that, that excites me. And, uh, and so when we talk about giving, like, man, I want my barns full, man, right? I want the barns full. It makes me think of the, the cup analogy. You know, when your cup's overflowing, you pour it out for others. What it does, it creates an opportunity for God to fill you up again. It creates that space. And so I want to challenge you this summer, man, be extravagant in generosity. Give, man, love people, give your time, give your money, bless people. You know, I, it's just funny, like, I think about this, like your life is not your own. We hang on to our life so tightly and it's not our own. God made you, you belong to him. Give it away. All right, and then I'm going to wrap it up. This is the last thing. All right, you guys can go eat. I said I said there was three. I'm adding a fourth one. All right. And if you didn't hear anything else I said today, if nothing resonated with you, I want you to listen very carefully. I'm going to get real serious. Okay? Let's look at the story of Solomon. The story I read at the beginning. These two women come to Solomon. Both of them struggle. They both have children. And one of them accidentally smothers their child in the night. Okay? Tragic. So what she does is she takes her her deceased child and gives it to the one woman and takes her living child. All right? And so they're going, and so the, the, the woman wakes up and sees her deceased child, looks at the baby's face and goes, this isn't my kid. So they go to the king. They're in this full-blown argument. The king's confused. You heard what he said. He was like, he's like, you're saying this, you're saying this. He calls for a servant. He says, bring me my sword. They give the king a sword. He says, you know what? So that you both can have a piece of the child, we're going to divide the child. This woman freaks out. She's like, no, 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 no. If it means that my child's life will be saved, I will give away my child. The other one's like, go ahead. Solomon hands the sword back. The servant takes it away. He says, give the living child to the first lady. This truly is his mother. Really, this morning, I want to talk to two different people in the room. Some of us in here, we've never experienced Christ as our Savior. We've never accepted Christ. We never found, we never, we've never done it, but we also, we're messed up. We're struggling. We're in a dark place. We're hurting. That's okay. Like, we, we've all been through that. But you've come in here and you're hanging, you're holding tightly to your life. This is my life. This is my life. My, this is who I am. I'm, 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 I'm hanging on to me. I'm doing. I'm going to do me. There's a scripture that says this. It says Matthew 16:25. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will find it. I'm telling you, freedom happens when you give your life away. And some of you in this place, 
Some of you need to give your life to Christ. You need to give it away. And that's how you're going to save it. If you sit there and you hang on to your life like it's your own, then who gave you the breath in your lungs? Your life. Who, who gave you that? Who sustains you? When you wake up in the morning, how do you live? You belong to God. You are His. So it only makes sense that you would give your life back to Him in thankfulness and gratefulness. Give your life to Christ. And I really believe this scripture. Whoever loses his life because of me will find it. That's my story. I gave my life to Christ at a young age. I'm telling you, I've, I've found life. I found joy. I found happiness in this life. There's a second group of people in this room, people who have walked this path, who have found Christ, and you've gotten into your walk and you're struggling right now. You've tried everything. Maybe some sin slipped back into your life. You're dealing with something that you really don't want to deal with anymore. You're depressed. You're struggling. You're hurting. Um, maybe you tried everything. Did you know that serving, giving your life away by serving, is a means in which you experience God's grace? I call it a means of grace. Sometimes, maybe maybe you guys got to get to work. Maybe, like, for, for me, I, I've been in been in like struggle with sin and, and had issues and I just got I had to push through and realize that not let the guilt hold me down the shame hold me down I had to serve and I found healing in that I found life in serving people and giving my life away I think a lot of times we think that we got to get ourselves right before we can go serve God or we got to do we got to do this man sometimes serving God is how you get healed and that's just real that's real. So maybe you're in this room and you're like, man, I, maybe you're in the first camp and you're just like, man, I, I haven't ever experienced Christ, but this is resonating with me. I've been hanging on too tightly to my life. I need to give it to Christ. I need life. Maybe you're in the other camp and you're like, I've given my life to Christ, but I'm still struggling so hard. I need, I need to serve him. I want everybody to close your eyes, bow your heads. This morning, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just have you, if, if, if you're a person who says, you know what, I need Christ as my Savior. God, I need you. And you're someone who would be willing to say this morning, you know what, God, I need you as my Savior. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose again for my sin. God, I need you in my life. God, I'm yours. If that's you and you need to say that prayer, um, I just I want to ask you, with no one looking around, just go ahead and slip your hand in the air. put your hands down. I want to pray for you right now. Let's pray. God, I just, God, I, I pray for those in this room who who say, God, I need you in my life. I, I need your life, your freedom, your love. God, I need you to save me from my sin. Save me from my selfishness. God, I want to pray for those that right now, as we are praying together, that you are you are helping them be bold and taking a step towards you, taking a step towards life. God, giving their life away so that they might find life in you. God, I just pray, Lord, that they that you become their Savior, the North Star, that which they follow, that which they emulate. God, I pray that you just become everything to them this morning. And God, I pray that today be the day they look back on and go, that was the day I got free. God, we love you this morning. We ask that in Christ's name. With everybody heads bowed this morning, if you're if you're someone who says, you know what, I've been walking this road, but it's time for me to serve. I, I feel like I need to take a step of faith. I've been kind of hiding. 
I've been kind of hanging back. It's time for me to get busy. I want you to just raise your hand this morning. Let me pray for you. You can put your hands down. God, I just pray this morning, Lord, for those who have been faithful to you, who have fought the good fight, who are striving, God, to chase after you, but are battling some battles right now. They're battling their nature. They're struggling, whatever it is, depression, just addiction, life, whatever it is, God. I pray, Lord, that today you give these people the courage and the faith to serve. God, that they might find healing when they serve you wholeheartedly. God, I just pray for these guys. I pray, Lord, just like us all, that you'll give us that boldness, that you'll make us uh, love and be generous extravagantly, God, that you'll just you'll move through us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody put your, head, your heads up. Amen. Hey, thank you guys for being bold, man. We, I just feel like this morning, like, if that's, if, if this morning you either gave your life to Christ or you haven't and you still want to talk to somebody about what that means and what that looks like. And when you walked in, you got the worship guide, put in that communication card, you want to talk to somebody. Either me and Mike, we'd love to talk with you, grab lunch, grab coffee. We'd love to pray for you. Write it down that communication card and give it uh, during the offering time. And the other thing I want to challenge you to do too this morning is if you're someone who's like, you really, this resonated with you. You feel like you need to plug in and serve and you don't have structure around you to where you can do that. When I say come and join us and serve here at the river, I mean that. There's life. You can experience healing through serving. Put that down on a card and write it down and just say, you know what? It's time for me to get started. It's time for me to get busy. Uh, write that down and put that in the offering plate. We want to reach out to you because, uh, man, we want to help you. We want to walk with you. I'm just thankful for this, man. I'm thankful for this story, and I just pray that that today, man, this be life change for us. We're going to worship, um, and then Pastor Mike's going to come. He's going to share a few things with us, but let's everybody stand. Let's worship.